Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 18th chapter. Jesus said to the disciples, If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you, so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated, and the children may come forward for a children's sermon. Good morning. How are you? Good. I didn't quite believe that, but that's okay. Let me hurt and and sleepy. Hey, you're being honest, Jack. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I got some questions for you, as usual. But I want to ask one thing. In today's text, we have something that you probably heard before. When someone sins against you, when something does something wrong toward you, You're supposed to first go to that person and see if you can work it out. Second, if that person doesn't change, you're supposed to take two or three people with you. And third, you're supposed to go in front of the whole community. In that case of the text we read in the church. But I want to ask you, why do we do that at all? Why do we try to make things right between one another when things are wrong? Yeah. That's what God wants us to do. Yeah, pretty much. But why? Why does God want us to do that? Yeah. It's just a nice thing to do. It's nice. I mean, I agree. Anything else? Um, so that one person does make a change against the world. Because maybe that one's against the world and he doesn't understand God. I think we're on to something. I think we're on to something here. Yeah, Finn. Just nice to do if you could just come up and, and say, I don't like I don't like what you're doing that. Yeah. Well it happens to one of us, happens to all of us, right? Jesus once prayed a prayer. Right before the cross, Jesus prayed a prayer in the Gospel of John that his disciples might be one, that we might be one, as God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is one that we might be one, as they might be one, as we are one. 
If I'm picking on Finn, are you guys going to stand up for him? Yes. Good. Why? Finn's the only one getting picked on. You're not getting picked on. Ava. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Well, at least you're going to do it. I mean, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. Two wrongs don't make a right. Two wrongs don't make a right. Yeah. To make sure that the person is talking to you. To make sure I stop. Very good. But never forget the people who are getting picked on, the people who are not strong enough to defend themselves, the people who are trying to resist but can't quite, the people who are in need, who are in trouble at that time, those are the ones that God tells us to help, no matter what. Did you know that that's the reason we're building this restroom? You guys see that big poster board over there? Over there. Behind the piano. That way. That way. Wrong way. Wrong way. There you go. Look at Gabriel. Look at Gabriel first. Look at Gabriel. Now look where he's pointing. There you go. I'm glad I pointed this out. There you go. There you go. See it? That's the reason that we're building the restroom. Some people have a hard time using the ones that we have. Some people have a hard time using the stuff that we have right now. And instead of just ignoring them, we're trying to help them out. We're trying to make sure that everybody, no matter what, can use the restroom just like they want to. And so I have a chore for you. I have a chore for you. I want you, I want you next week to bring in one item with you. Can everybody hold up one finger? I want you to bring in one item that you think would be useful in building a bathroom. Building a restroom, okay? Make sure, make sure it crosses with your parents first, but bring in one item with you that you think will be useful in building a restroom, okay? I mean anything that you think would be helpful in building a restroom. One, one. I don't want you to bring in your whole tool shed. I want you to bring in anything like that. I want you to bring in one. Everybody hold up one. One. Pop quiz. How many things are you bringing in? One. Very good. Yes. Bring in whatever you think would be useful. Whatever you think, as long as your parents say it's okay, whatever you think would be useful. Can you do that? All right. And we'll, we'll talk more about this as time goes on. For now, I think we should pray. Can you pray? Let us pray. God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks because you hear the cries of all who are in need. And you call us to be a part of answering those cries. In everyday life, we ask that you might use us to help one another, to help the stranger, to help our neighbor. That you might, through our hands and feet, through our words, make your presence known. That everyone who has needs would know your love. Your name we pray. Amen.
In the name of Jesus, amen. The 18th chapter of Matthew, I believe, is a lot about context. It's about the scripture before, especially the scripture before, the text that we have right in front of us. Because the text that we have in front of us is pretty familiar. But it's familiar in chunks, right? There's that, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. But we don't often connect it directly to the text that it's residing in, which is a text about what to do when two people are disagreeing, when two people have sin in between them. First go to that person. If that doesn't work, take two or three with you so there might be witnesses. If that doesn't work, tell it to the whole community, to the church. If that doesn't work, well, what are you going to do? But even before that, there's a broader context of why we're talking about this in the first place. And it starts at the beginning of the 18th chapter of Matthew with the little ones, with the children. Jesus' disciples ask, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus points to the children, the little ones. These are the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes on to talk about those who cause these little ones to stumble. Those who are stumbling blocks to these types of people. And he mentions there the great millstone tied around the neck and thrown into the lake. And you don't need to be a biblical scholar to know that millstone around the neck in the lake equals bad. Right? That's a bad thing. But even after that, we have the least of these seen in the 99 sheep. The shepherd who has 99 sheep and loses one will go off to find that lost one and bring him back. Or her back, I guess. I don't know. They didn't specify the sheep. The least of these, the most vulnerable in our midst, the ones who cannot defend themselves or cannot help themselves in those moments. These are the people, this is the context, where we're talking about what happens when someone sins against you. What to do with that sin, what to do with that division, what to do with that tension at the heart of this text is not necessarily a judicial practice or a legal understanding of what the church is supposed to do, but is rather an understanding of how do we best pursue the most vulnerable, when we know it's not happening? How do we serve the people we, are call, the people we are called to serve? And what do we do when it's not happening? But I think the best way of looking at this is to do a little case study type thing. And so I asked Michael earlier if I can pick on him during the service, and he unwittingly said yes. So we're going to do this. Let's set up a case. Um, for this case, uh, Michael and I are great friends. I mean, we could be, but, you know. For this case, Michael and I are great friends. We go on long walks together. We tell each other our deepest, darkest secrets. Michael knows that I secretly root for Penn State. And <laughs> this is made up, folks. This is made up. <laughs> And I know all of Michael's deepest, darkest secrets. 
Michael holds mine very well because he understands the dynamic that's happening. But I start telling all of Michael's fears, all of Michael's struggles, all of the things that Michael isn't proud of to just about anybody who will listen. So, what should Michael do? Yep. Approach me. I don't like what you're doing. Would you please stop? And I'll say something like, Michael, you're fine. You would have told people anyways. Don't worry about it. And I keep spreading it around. And the tales grow as they want to do. What happens next? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the reality of this, right? Everybody starts hearing it. And then, whether they laugh out loud or they laugh in their hearts, they start thinking about Michael in a different way. They start judging him. They start maybe even treating him different. So what should happen next? Gather a couple other people. And approach me again, right? Try to help this issue. Gabriel. Michael's going to ask you to go with him. Are you good friends with Michael? You are? How many times have you and Michael hung out? <laughs> oh, this is fiction. No. Are you good friends with Michael? I mean, he's nice, but you're not super close, right? No. You don't hang out on the weekends. But he's asking you. So should you do it? Do you want to do it? <laughs> kind of yes, kind of no. I think a lot of us feel that way. I know I feel that way, Gabriel, when somebody asks me to be a part of this, and I'm like, I don't even like my own issues. I don't want to get involved in somebody else's. So, why? Why, when Michael reaches out to Gabriel or me or anybody else, should you answer? Why should you go with Michael? God said we should. That's right. God said we should. Help him. But why? Why doesn't God just say, fight all the harder, Michael? Why does God bring the rest of the community into this? It's love. It's love. Yes. For backup. For backup, yeah. <laughs> Owe one another nothing except love. Was in our second reading today. Owe one another nothing except love. Love is the work that we do. Love is the work that we do on behalf of our community, on behalf of everyone that would cry out. This is the work that the church is about. It's not just sticking up for your brothers, though I'm glad that we do that. And it's not just sticking up for the ones that we already intrinsically love, though I'm glad we do that too. It's sticking up for anyone, whether or not we're best friends with them, who is crying out. 
at the 8 o'clock service, Deb Siles, which is the head of the mutual ministry committee, raised her hand and said, well, if the pastor's picking on somebody, you should probably bring it here too. <laughs> and she's right. We have organizations in the church. So if something's happening, you bring it to them too. One final question. Is Michael one of the least of these? I mean, Michael has a job, at the very least. Michael is pretty well-liked. Michael is an adult. Is Michael one of the least of these? Yeah, some convincing no's. Some questions. <laughs> is Michael one of the least of these? We all are. Ah, we all are. Anyone can be vulnerable. Some people choose that vulnerability, like Michael chose to share with me. And some people have that vulnerability, that rawness thrust upon them, either by another individual or by corporate situations, things that we all do together. Anybody can be vulnerable. Anybody can be defenseless. Just like a child. And these vulnerable and these defenseless, these are the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. These are the ones that the church is called to serve. These are why we do the work of love. Anyone can be the vulnerable. We are gathered as a congregation for that reason. We could just gather to worship and then go about our separate ways, but for some reason we try to stay connected and we try to do something throughout the week. It's because we have a calling. It's because we're named disciples. It's because the most vulnerable in our midst aren't going to be helped by anyone else. If you're not convinced of that, look out. They're already not. Yeah. I'm staying out of it. I'm not getting in the middle. It's between them. And that seems really good until it's not. <laughs> it seems like the right thing to do. But we do have to balance between someone trying to make it on their own, trying to be able to have legs to stand on, trying to do that first step in the Matthew 18 sequence of going between that person and working with them, and someone who is clearly losing their power, someone who is losing their dignity, their respect, someone who clearly has not the voice to stand up for themselves, someone who needs help. When do you know? When do you know? When do you know? Is that part of the text? No. How to tell what's going on is not part of the text. The only part of the text is to try. We do have this calling that follows us through Matthew of be perfect, therefore, as your Father in heaven is perfect. So we pursue perfection and recognize that, yeah, 
we'll falter around, we'll fail. But given the opportunity, standing before and in the midst of people that you see as vulnerable and as hurting, are you called to muddle in the midst of it or muddle outside of it? Because you're gonna, we're, we're going to muddle either way. Muddle in the midst of it. Be a part of it. I do. <laughs> yeah. You pray fervently that you do the right thing. And even as you mess up, sometimes you see God do something good with it, in spite of it. Yeah. This is the good news. That yes, we are each called individually to be on behalf of the community, but that also, just like this sermon, we have a community around us that is struggling with the exact same thing, that is working through the exact same thing. And when we don't know and when we don't fulfill our responsibilities, this work of love, we have a community that will help us, that will teach us, that will call us to account. It's okay to not know. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to mess up. There's grace in all of it. But this is our calling. So even as you struggle, even as you mess up, even as you don't know what you're doing, try. As much as it depends on you, as much as you possibly can, try to be on behalf of the vulnerable, of the least of these. This is the calling of discipleship. This is why we build. This is why we worship. This is why we do what we do. Thanks be to God for the church. A church that struggles towards this discipleship. Amen.